The writer of Hebrews gives to every believer a stern warning. Looking diligently. Looking diligently. We are way too casual in our approach to life. We are way too vulnerable to the dangers of life because we are casual in our approach to life. There are similar warnings given in other places throughout the New Testament. For example, Ephesians 5.15, See then that ye walk circumspectly. And I've preached on that a number of times before, but circumspectly means that you are watching around you at all times. And we're supposed to walk watching, keeping our eyes open. 2 Timothy 4, verse 5, Watch thou in all things. 1 Peter 5, verse number 8, Be sober, be vigilant. And so, just like those warnings, this is a warning here in Hebrews 12, look diligently. Look diligently. And this warning has four parts to it. First of all, Look diligently that you don't betray the grace of God. He says that uh, lest any man fail of the grace of God. It doesn't mean that you're going to run out of God's grace. It means that you're going to live in such a way that is a betrayal to the grace of God, which has worked and is working in you. So look diligently that you do not betray the grace of God. And then it says, number two, look diligently that you don't let bitterness spring up in you. Thirdly, it says, look diligently that you don't allow fornication, moral uncleanness, moral impurity into your life. And fourthly, look diligently that you don't let profanity have a place in your life. That's, that's blasphemy against God. That is having a a disrespectful approach to the things of God, the things that are sacred, where you could lightly take his name in vain and think it's no big deal, where you could lightly mock his word and think it's no big deal. And so four things that the writer of Hebrews, who I believe is the Apostle Paul, though he does not not, uh, uh, identify himself, four things that he says that, We need to look diligently that we're sure that these don't creep into our lives. All four of these things are things that will creep in if we're not paying attention. Don't think that you can just sail through life and not pay careful attention without having some things just sneak up and cause you a lot of trouble. You've got to look diligently. You've got to be sober, vigilant. You've got to walk circumspectly. Now, All four of those things I just gave you deserve our attention. We're going to focus on the second one for a few minutes today. Looking diligently, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. Bitterness. Bitterness is a spiritual poison. It is a spiritual infection. It is a spiritual cancer. It will rob you of your joy. It will rob you even of your faith. It will rob you of the love that you share with the people in your life. Looking diligently lest any 
root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Now, everybody knows how a plant works. A plant has a root. And then at some point, the root, depending on the plant, and plants grow, different plants grow in different ways. But when the root gets strong enough, it springs up and breaks through the earth. So it begins with a root, and then that root shoots up into a plant. And what Hebrews is saying is, watch diligently to keep those Keep pulling those things out by the roots. Don't let bitterness have a place in your life. There's not a person in this room who's not vulnerable to the power of bitterness in your heart. And the problem with bitterness is once it does spring up and begin to grow, bitterness refuses, uh, prevents you from seeing that it's there. It is very difficult to cause a bitter person to identify bitterness in their own life. When bitterness springs up, it causes you to see everything through lenses of anger. When bitterness springs up, it makes you angry at the very people who love you. When bitterness springs up, it causes you to create a distorted philosophy of life. When bitterness takes root in somebody's heart and it springs up, that they start saying crazy stuff. When bitterness springs up, It twists every positive into a negative. When bitterness springs up in a life, it produces hate in your heart. When bitterness springs up, it puts venom into everything you say. When bitterness springs up, It prevents you from loving everybody but yourself. It turns you into a totally selfish person. When bitterness springs up, it robs you of all the tools that you need to succeed. I'm telling you, this is a serious, serious threat. But it's a threat that we don't take seriously until it's too late. We know something's wrong, but we blame it on everybody else. When bitterness springs up, it infects every relationship in your life. Have you ever met, and I realize, by the way, I'm talking about sensitive, tender stuff. Because I'll bet everybody in here has someone somewhere in your life that has grown bitter and has grown brought great pain to themselves and to those around them. Now, be very careful about this thing, this subject matter this morning, because it's very easy to point at everybody else 
and say, ah, bitter, bitter, bitter. We need to look each of us in our own hearts. The opposite of bitterness, by the way, is peace. And we ought to strive and long and and plead with God for peace to prevail in our hearts. If you're on social media, you probably notice this. And I tell you just about every week that I'm not on Facebook or Instagram. I am on Twitter. And I try to limit my Twitter acquaintances to people who are going to say things that encourage me. But you can't control what other people like or or retweet so that you're forced to read things that um, I I don't have any tolerance whatsoever of, of profanity or filth. That stuff comes up. I just block it immediately. But you see people. Okay, so, so what will happen if, you don't, if, you, if you're not familiar with it is someone will see. So somebody that I follow, the only people I can see are the people that I choose to follow. But somebody that I follow will see something that they disagree with and they'll want to comment on it. Well, in order to comment on it, they've, they've got to they've make it so I can see it. You see what I'm saying? So I can see the opinions of people that I didn't choose to see. And it doesn't happen a lot because I try to monitor it, but it happens enough that people who anti-God, anti-Bible, anti-Jesus, anti-anything having to do with righteousness, and here's the whole point I've been getting at for the last three minutes. It's just amazing how they're overflowing with bitterness. They have no peace. Now, there's plenty of Christian people who are bitter too. That's by their own choosing. But it is almost, can I say the same thing? And I don't mean to be unkind about this. You know what I believe and where I stand. But the, the gay community, when they post things, it's overflowing with bitterness and anger. I'm not saying this as an accusation against them. I'm saying I believe that's at the root of their worldview and their personal philosophy of life. Overflowing with bitterness. Listen, if you let bitterness take root and spring up in your life, it'll wreak havoc. It'll hurt you. It'll hurt the people you love. Let me finish some of these statements and then we'll move forward. When bitterness springs up, the last thing I said, when bitterness springs up, it infects every relationship in your life. When bitterness springs up, it becomes obvious to everyone but yourself. When bitterness springs up, it can eventually lead you to give up on life. In the meantime, it forces the people who love you to have to protect themselves from you. And that's a tragedy. Bitterness can take such a hold in your heart and you don't even know what's going on. You do, but you don't. You're in denial. That you force the people in your life 
to say, I'm sorry, I have to avoid them. And by the way, that's a scriptural concept. I was studying earlier this week the third chapter of 1 Thessalonians where Paul talks about how to interact and how to deal with disorderly people. The bottom line, he says, don't be around them. When you allow bitterness to spring up in your heart and in your life, you force the people you love to have to take steps to protect themselves. Isn't that, that's so tragic, isn't it? So what do you mean protect themselves? Well, first of all, I don't want bitterness to rub off on me, so I'm not going to hang around bitter people. But, you know, especially when my kids were small, I didn't want them to be around bitter people because I didn't want them growing up to be bitter people. So I had to protect them, especially when they were smaller. Uh, now I really don't have much control over them. But, you know, when, so especially nothing. When they were growing up, we had to take steps to protect them. from. I'm talking about people that everything they say, it's blaming somebody, it's accusing somebody, it's tearing somebody down, it's whining about why nothing's good in my life because this, because this, because this. And I was determined to raise my kids to not be whiners, to not be blamers. But bitterness will make you a whiner, a blamer, a critic, and it will force people to have to take. You know, in the history of our church, now, we can't, I wish we could have every one of all of our favorite preachers every year. We can't do do that, excuse me. So some preachers we have every few years, some preachers. So just because we may have had a preacher and we weren't able to have him back, doesn't, don't, don't uh, let them throw, don't throw them into this category. But we've had two different preachers in the history of our church that I liked them personally. They were good preachers, great behind the pulpit, but I picked up a strong sense of bitterness. And I realized, you know, if I keep having this man back, that's going to overflow. We're, we're going to pick up on that. So two different men that because a root of bitterness sprung up in them. I didn't tell you about it. I didn't tell them about it. I just stopped inviting them. There comes a point where bitterness in your heart will cause other people to have to say, you know what, I love you, but i got to put a distance there. How does bitterness spring up? I'll give you a few examples. Bitterness springs up in you when you're consumed with false ideas. There was a man in the Bible, his name was Haman. I'll tell you his story very quickly. Haman had everything in life. He had a prominent position. In, in, as a member of the government. He had a loving wife. He had, a, a, he had children that loved him and he loved them. He was wealthy. Haman had everything except there was one guy in his life that he thought was not giving him respect. He was dissing him. And instead of focusing on the fact that he had a great job, a great future, a great family, instead of focusing on those blessings, he got consumed with that one man. 
He got so consumed with him, and of course this is in a different culture than ours, different laws than ours, that he got approval from the government to build a gallows in his yard that he would eventually hang his enemy on. You say, what country is that? I'd like to live there. Well, not if you're the guy being hanged, you wouldn't want to live there. And he was going to make a great production out of this thing. The gallows was 75 feet high. That's like higher than our top of our steeple. This, there's, there's a lot of bitterness in this man, Haman's heart. Well, as it turns out, he winds up being hanged on the gallows that he had built for his enemy. All because he felt this guy was not respecting him like he deserved to be respected. Let me tell you, that is a false idea. Just the idea that you think you need to be respected. Why does anybody need to respect you or me? Why do we care what other people think about us? How much of our life do we waste thinking about some other, well, he just thinks he's all, well, who cares what he thinks about himself or you? Yeah, but if I do that, she's going to think that she's got to, you know, she's going to think she won. He's, he thinks he's bad. Who cares what they think? That is a false idea. But it's a false idea that can cause you to be consumed with bitterness. A false idea like nobody likes me. Everybody's out to get me. I was cheated. And you can make a list of a thousand different things that are false ideas that will cause you to be consumed and will turn you into a bitter person. Bitterness springs up in you. I said here, uh, there where you're consumed with a false idea, but sometimes you can be overpowered by something that may actually be true. But it still shouldn't consume you. We get consumed with, that's not fair! And you know what? You may be right. It may be an injustice. But you shouldn't let it consume you. There's a man in the Bible named Absalom. And Absalom got consumed with an injustice that took place in his family. And you know what? He was right. It was an injustice. His brother, his half-brother, committed an unthinkable crime against his own sister. His sister was his full sister. And his half-brother committed an unthinkable crime against Absalom's full sister. And he thought for sure that his dad was going to do... His dad was David, King David. He thought for sure that his dad was going to do something about it. And he's, his dad gave him what amounted to be a slap on the wrist. It was an injustice. I agree with Absalom. It was an injustice. But Absalom let his being consumed with the injustice lead him to revenge. His revenge led him to rebellion. 
And his rebellion led ultimately to his own tragic young death. Bitterness springs up in you when you're consumed with a false idea. It can overpower you. Uh, It can spring up in you when you're overpowered by something that may be true, but it shouldn't consume you. Bitterness springs up in you when you're misguided by blame. Blame is one of the dumbest concepts in your daily life. Why is it that we think that if we can assign blame, if we can make it somebody else's fault, that somehow everything's been rectified? Everything has been uh, put in place now. No, you're going to have to fix what's broken in your life no matter whose fault it is. And it may be helpful, probably usually is helpful to identify what and legitimately identify what caused something to be true. But you know what forgiveness is? Forgiveness is after you've identified who is at fault, you don't put the weight of blame upon that person. Yeah, they're guilty. They did it. They caused this. I forgive you. Now, by the way, it doesn't mean you've got to continue to let them hurt you. And that goes back to the thing a minute ago of you may be forced to protect yourself again. If, if they're continuing to do the things that cause you pain, yeah, you probably have to keep your distance. But you can forgive them. King Saul should be the great king in the history of Israel. To this day, King Saul should, should bear the name of Israel. What the, the Israeli flag has on it the star of who? David. It should have the star of Saul. But it doesn't because he was consumed with bitterness. Gradually, Saul got it into his head. By the way, because of his own disobedience and his own rebellion, distorted his thinking, and he allowed himself to believe that all of his problems were David's fault. Now, you can easily see if you read 1 Samuel 13 and 15, all of Saul's problems were Saul's fault. And by the way, most, if not all, of your problems are your fault. The sooner you learn that and, and, and uh, reconcile yourself with that fact, the more productive your life is going to be. Take ownership. But he was misguided. King Saul was misguided by blame. Bitterness springs up when we live our lives choosing to believe bad about people. I heard a man say, and I was still a teenager, he was a preacher, when the preacher said, I don't believe bad things about people unless I see it with my own eyes, I see them do the thing with my own eyes, or they themselves tell me that they did it. And I remember sitting there thinking, man, you're going to be a, you're going to be a sucker, dude. You're, 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 you're going to be blindsided quite a bit. But you know, I've learned over the years, I would rather err on the side of believing too much good about people than believing too much bad. And your eyes will be opened when you realize, listen, all right? Kevin uh, decides 
uh, you know, Kevin and let's say Kevin and Ted are great friends and they're getting along great and they're their best buddies. And all of a sudden we notice this distance between Kevin and Ted. And we don't you know, I've noticed that they they've been avoiding each other. And then I don't know why our minds go here. You know, we don't have to know what's going on. By the way, when two people that we love are not getting along, we can still get along with both of them. It's not our business to pick sides. But, you know, we've noticed this distance. And then all of a sudden, Kevin starts going around and telling everybody. He comes and he tells you everything that's wrong with Ted. And here's the stupid thing that we do. Since we didn't hear anything from Ted, and since Kevin spoke up and told us what a horrible person Ted is and what he did, we accept Kevin's account as fact. Well, somebody said it, so it must be true. And listen, there's not a one of us in this room that does not have things in our minds that we're holding against somebody that the only reason we have for holding it against them is somebody else told us it is true. And by the way, time goes on, you will find out that actually the reason you never heard Ted's side of the story is because he turned out to be the better Christian. He's more discreet. He's not a blamer. He's not a critic. He just decided to keep his mouth closed. I'm saying to you, you become bitter. And that's, that's when people, we get this thing in, in churches. And th- there's going to be a lot of people. You know, we think that when we stand before God, and I'm talking Christians now, standing before God of the judgment seat of Christ. But, boy, those, you know, those, uh, those drunkards and those uh, uh, liars and all these people, they're, they're going to pay. I guess they are. But let me tell you who's going to really pay big time when they stand before God is people who tore down God's work. People who, for their own benefit, to make themselves look better, to ease their own conscience, did what the Bible calls sowing discord. Two people got along fine until you showed up and started running your mouth, and now you think evil of each other. I don't want that to be in that category. I don't want you to be in that category. And let me throw out my regular disclaimer. Pastors, there's something going on in church. No. No. See, when you attack bitterness after it happens, it's too late. So I'm, I'm hitting it now. Lest a root of bitterness spring up among us. See it in your own heart, identify it, pull it out by the roots. How's it happens? It happens when you're consumed with a false idea. It happens when you're overpowered by something that may be true, but it shouldn't control you. It happens when you're misguided by blame. It happens by believing bad about people. It happens when you're soured by comparison, envy, and covetousness. The first man born on this planet careful wasn't adam it was cain adam was created cain's the first man born he's also the first murderer he killed his younger brother because his younger brother they both brought offerings to the lord as they had been taught by their father but abel brought it the way he was supposed to a blood sacrifice 
Cain thought, I'm going to bring, you know, I'm a, uh, I'm a farmer, agriculture, I'm going to bring... I'm going to bring of the first fruits of the field. Now, that's tithing, but that's not what a sacrifice is supposed to be. And he brought his sacrifice to God, and it was rejected. And so Cain compared his rejected offering to Abel's accepted offering, and it created bitterness in his heart, and he killed his own brother. Through comparison, covetousness, envy, Comparison is a dangerous, dangerous game for anybody, especially for a believer. I'll tell you somebody who was soured by comparison and covetousness and envy. There's a man who should be known as one of the greatest officers in American history, in Revolutionary War history. He should be known as one of our great generals. Instead, he's known as the traitor. His name is synonymous with being a traitor, and that's Benedict Arnold. Do you know that Benedict Arnold led in some of the best victories that the colonial army had? But he had a very unlikable personality. And because of that, he did not have the popularity that other officers had. Because of that, He got bitter against George Washington. He didn't sell out to the British over principle. He sold out to the British over bitterness, envy. Bitterness will spring up with you when you're soured by comparison, envy, and covetousness. Bitterness will spring up in you. I'm sorry. Bitterness will spring up in you when you hang around with bitter people. They will sour you. They will cause you to look at other people in a negative light. Very quickly, we're gonna, I'm going to finish up quickly here, but you've got to stop the root of bitterness before it springs up. It says, looking diligently, lest any root of bitterness springing up. Don't allow yourself to have a bad attitude. A bad attitude is not yet sprung up into bitterness, but you can stop a bad attitude. How many times? I'm telling you, I correct myself all the time. Don't, hey, Joe, don't be soured by that. That's stupid. That doesn't matter. That's not important. It's not worth it. It's not worth your time. It's not worth your energy. Don't allow yourself to be critical. Don't allow yourself to be negative. I think if you follow the pattern of Judas Iscariot, you see somebody who allowed a pattern of a bad attitude, a critical negative spirit, until it led to the betrayal that is synonymous with his name. Judas became bitter, but it started out as a critical spirit. Everybody's always doing everything wrong. Nobody's ever right but you. You always know better than everybody. You're going to correct everybody else, but nobody can correct you. You follow the things that Judas said and did throughout the Gospels, and you see he had this arrogance, this this critical spirit, this negative spirit that ultimately sprung up into bitterness to the point where he was willing to betray not only his Savior but his friend. And it led to him taking his own life. Bitterness causes the most trouble to the person to whom it's growing. 
It says, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you. Being bitter is like swallowing poison and then waiting for somebody else to die. Why is it that we think by being bitter against somebody else, we're hurting them? No, we're not. We're hurting ourselves. But bitterness does wind up hurting other people too. Not the people we're bitter at, but the people we love. Your bitterness can destroy your spouse. Your bitterness can destroy your kids. Your bitterness can destroy the next generation. Your bitterness can hurt your church. When God shows you bitterness in your heart, attack it. How do you attack it? First of all, you ask God's forgiveness. And I don't just mean you, okay, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm talking about you stay before the Lord in prayer and say, God, show me more of what's wrong in my heart so I can fix it. So I can lay it. Listen, getting right with God takes time alone with him. You say, I thought God forgives immediately. God forgives immediately. But we don't comprehend immediately. It takes time. It takes time. Ask God's forgiveness. And then how about this? How do you attack bitterness? By forgiving people, this is hard, without them asking for forgiveness. Yeah, I'd forgive them, but they won't even ask. Don't wait for them to ask. You forgive them without them asking. We're wrapping it up here. I'm almost done. The best way to keep bitterness out of your heart is to stay in pursuit of good things. Look at verse 14 of Hebrews 12. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. All right? If you're living in pursuit of good things, being at peace with people and being holy before God, you're consumed with those things. You're not going to have time to stop and be bothered and distracted by being bitter. It'll have no place. Always in God's word, the best way to, the best way to overcome sin is to stay in constant pursuit of righteousness. Paul said, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You want to conquer? Stay after the good stuff. You want to conquer hate? Stay in pursuit of love. I think maybe the best example in the Bible of someone who overcame the potential to be bitter is a lady named Hannah. Hannah wanted nothing in life but to have children. She wanted to have a son. And yet, Hannah found that her womb was closed. And you may know the story, I won't take the time to tell it, but ultimately God gave Hannah a son. By the way, she had a, her, her, her husband had two wives. That was legal and acceptable in those days. It's not now. It wasn't then. It shouldn't have been, but it was. But her husband had another wife, so there were two wives. And his other wife, I mean, she was, she was just having children, having children. She was half rabbit, you know. I mean, she just all kinds of children. 
And she just loved to throw it in Hannah's face. And it just made her miserable. If there's anybody in the Bible who might be justified in being bitter, it might be Hannah. But you know what she did? She turned her bitterness into prayer. Listen to this statement of 1 Samuel 1.10. She was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord. Hannah had, if anybody's ever had a reason to be bitter, Hannah had one. But she took her bitterness and used it as fuel for her prayer. And God gave her her son, and her son wound up anointing David to be the king of Israel. Because she allowed bitterness to fuel her prayer, God answered her prayer and impacted her nation. He said, looking diligently, lest a root of bitterness spring up and cause you trouble, cause the people in your life trouble. I would, I, this, is, this might be something worth putting on your prayer list every day. You know, before I pray for anything or anybody, I pray, God, work mightily in me today. And I have a list of things that I want God to do in me today. Give me wisdom. God, strengthen my faith. Make me more like Christ. A list of things that I'm asking God to do every day. And it might be a good thing for us to put on that list of things we're asking God to do. God, please, don't let me. Fall prey to bitterness. Please keep bitterness from springing up in my heart. Because once it takes root, once it springs up, once it manifests itself, manifests itself in your life, most people have way too much pride to overcome it. You, should, you need to overcome it now before it springs up. Watch for it. Guard against it. Protect yourself with God's help from bitterness. Father, I pray that you'd help us today.